Welcome everybody to the One to Go show. It is Puka once again joined by Ryan Aho and Bert Lehman. Well, we've got an action-packed program tonight for you all. We have the Twin Ports 25s, a little bit going on out east in Shano, talking about Ogilvy and the Superstock Series, Mater 55, some action out west with the NRA late models. But I'm going to start kind of as we always do, a little bit closer to home, at least closer to home for me. Thursday night, I was able to get over to the Donlinger Ford, Grand Rapids Motor Speedway. And I just looking at some notes here. I put down the track was good, but bad. And it was good in the sense that it was very racy. Just like Ryan said, though, they added that clay. So there was some dust in the air. So if you were like me, real race fan, goggles, glasses, you were, you know, you were fine, but you know, the dust was, and it just, yeah, yeah, <laughs> mask. Yeah. And it was, uh, <laughs> it was a calm night. So the dust just kind of lingered. It wasn't like dust was pelting you, but it was just kind of that dust in the air and uh, ran into a legend. There was a real legend there on Thursday night. The pistol Pete Wallers was in attendance watching his son. So I got to catch up with Pete to have a few words. That was cool. Uh, great super stock race between Tristan Labarge, Doug Koski, actually side-by-side racing, which, I think racing's lost a little bit of that. You know, it's kind of like you think about Dale Earnhardt in the Wrangler car. There was a lot of side-by-side racing. Dale Earnhardt in the Goodrich car kind of went away over time. But great battle in the Supers, uh, in the mods, uh, Johnny Broking and, and his father, Bobby Broking. I mean, Bobby was checked out, and then Johnny was kind of running this line in one and two. He drift, almost come to a stop, shoot down. There's some tack on the bottom. Tracked him down with about two laps to go, so good race there. Late models had three lead changes. Uh, Jeff Mazengill led laps. Kyle Peterland led laps. Derek Vessel led the laps when they mattered. That was at the end. He got another checkered flag. And we were wrapped up by 9.30. Now, Ryan, I know you wanted to send a special shout-out to someone who visited Victory Lane at the Donlinger Ford Grand Rapids Motor Speedway. Well, heck, yeah. My little buddy, Chaston Finkphone, 12 years old. He's in one of them little Hornet cars. Your kids love them. They sound like a bunch of bumblebees or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, he, he got his first ever win in a race car, 12 years old. He's been around the racetrack forever. His dad raced. I ran I ran against him in the Supers. He also ran streets. He's running a pure stock now. His uh, grandpa did the track prep over there for years. But one thing that I noticed there was, you know, you look at Derek Vessel, and he did great, right? Drove around them guys on the top. He won. He gets out of his car. He's like, you know, waves for the crowd. And you got that 12-year-old kid <laughs> winning the feature. He's, like, pumped, jacking his fist and up on top of the car and screaming and hollering. That's what racing needs. And he's that kind of energy, that kind of excitement. And, you know, he actually steered race cars around when he was young. When I was still racing, oh, man, quite a while ago now, he was just a little kid. And he would actually sit in my car and hold the steering wheel as I winched it into the trailer. So uh, he's been my little buddy forever. So I'm excited to see him park that 40 Hornet in victory lane a whole yeah, bunch more. Yeah, it, it was exciting. Casting. It totally was. And he's like like the flag and the, you know, they have, it was like almost as tall as him. I mean, he was just a little guy. And he was literally jumping on the roof of his car. So, yeah, it was, it was very – and a very – Hornets are ho- short. Hornets are little tiny cars, and, and the Hornet was taller than he was. Right? Yeah. So he, he did little. <laughs> he's a little, little guy. So. I mean, people couldn't believe it. They were like – people around me were looking around like, holy cow, look how young that kid is. And, and it was a very popular win, too. The crowd and went he nuts. Yeah, it was a battle. Yeah, yeah, every every race that night was a battle. Yeah, so it was actually a pretty good race. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, then Friday, uh, I I had the privilege of visiting the Twin Port Twin 25s. We talked a little bit about this on the show in the past. You run double features. You run a regular – your heats. You run a regular Wazoda-style feature. And then there's an – the winner goes and draws a number. There's an invert. In this case, it ended up being inverting 15 spots. So the gentleman who won the first feature would happen to be Nitro James Giassi was inverted to 15th. And then the 15th finisher in the first feature ended up starting first. Um, you know, it wasn't uh, without controversy. Well, let me, let me back up. 
my 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 favorite B late models. My great late models, Bert, were in attendance. Loved them. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Ryan talked after. I talked to my hero Tom Nesbitt. <laughs> my hero Tom Nesbitt hates them, but I mean, as a fan, loved them. Um, uh, Lance Hoffer checked out, you know, big time in that one. But the late models on the on the you know the main card were not without some controversy, and uh, we kind of wanted to get in that tonight and. Ryan, the cone starting, you had kind of talked to us about this before, uh, how, and I didn't know this as a fan, but, you know, you said, you know, as, when a cone start, you're a sitting duck. You know, everyone knows you're going to hit the gas. So we talked earlier in the year how Aberdeen came up with a zone to hit the gas. So um, I don't know. Do you want to – why don't you start with what you saw because there were a couple different items that happened with the cone. Well, I mean, uh, the biggest deal of the night was our buddy Pravo. You know, he started on the pole of the B main, Little Hannestead. I think it was Little Hannestead behind him, Buddy, and uh, come off a of turn four. And and I talked to Jeff, and he's like, ah, he drove over me 10, you know, 10 car lengths before the start. He drove over me, cut my tire down, and Jeff got a flat. He goes in the pits, but he didn't go to the work area, right? So there's a work area. It's been a work area for 30 years, right? It's pretty, he got a work area. He drove all the way back to his trailer, changed his tire, went back on the track, and they're like, no, you, you didn't go to the work area. And then they said, and I wasn't there, I heard different stories, but the track official said that he came through a little hot and maybe ran somebody's foot over, so they disqualified him and didn't pay him. And he's like, that's a bunch of crap. Jeff, in his politically correct tone of voice, right? he's <laughs> a bunch of crap. Like, he didn't run. He's like, he'd be in the hospital if I ran him over, so I don't know what all happened there. But I, I had a chance to watch that. I got some uh, footage from XR, and I, and I watched that. And I had to watch it over and over and over and over again, and it just looked to me, I mean, yes, Hannistead absolutely drove into his left rear, but when I watched it, it looked like he was, I don't know what he, like why he didn't fire earlier. It's like he was waiting until he was way off the corner, and, and even the guy on the outside of him, like, anticipated the start, and he got the jump, and he was just kind of sitting there, so I, I don't know what he was doing, you know, and that doesn't, you know, like if you get a car accident, no matter how fast or slow you're going, the guy that runs into the back of you, he's at fault. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so ultimately, it was Hannah's fault, but I don't know what he was doing on that start. That wasn't a Jeff Provenzino firing early, get the jump, get the jump. start. I mean, it was so I think that was. I'm going to let you guys make the call. I'm going to actually insert right here. I'm going to insert a little video footage so everybody that watches this, they can look at it for themselves. You know, did you guys get a chance to see that yourself? Well, yeah, of course I was there. The thing is with the that corner barrel, it's more of a barrel. It is almost coming out of four. So, I mean, it's, you know, and and that leads to, and Bert, you can kind of probably relate to this talk, but was this, well, first off, let's go back to the promises. So Hannah said ended up, yeah, I mean, like hooked to his back end, and then he's steering to get off, and then he ends up in the infield where there happens to be like some clumps of sand, and so he's, he's bopping all over. And so it was no good, obviously, for either. So Hannah stands out, and like I said, promises ended up with the DQ, but there was heat number one. So there's that cone. Daryl Nelson starts second row in, and all of a sudden he's out here about at the cone, races on the straightaway, wins the heat. And I, you know, he raced on the straight, and I thought, hmm, possibly going to jump the gun. No caution. Okay, no problem. Then in the crate late models, Joe Bravo starts on the outside. He gets around a little bit. Same thing. Joe blasts by. Caution. Joe not. You know, not a spot back or two spots back, all the way to the back. So, Bert, oh, go ahead. 
Didn't Joe start a third row? So when they put him to the back, it was a fourth row. So they really did put him back two spots from what I understand. Okay, is that what it was? Yeah, I can't remember exactly where he started, but I know he was on the outside. But it, it was like it looked like the same thing because I remember when it happened to Daryl, I looked at the guy next to me and I said, are they going to call this? Now, no. The second time, they did. However, there was an incident during the races. The original flagman ended up getting hit with a rock. And he actually collapsed right on the flag center. There was kind of an incident for a while. He's okay. They got him out of there. Then I can't remember who was actually the flag man during that race because Chris Steppen did go up to relieve duties. But then I noticed later there was a different gentleman that was up there. So, you know, you have a different people, so making some different judgment calls. But, Bert, you know, you can relate. You've seen enough racing on these these jump starts and inconsistent calls. Yeah, I mean, I, that, I'm sure that's been an issue since racing began. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it – it's just one of those deals where, you know, you, it's a judgment call. Uh, but I mean, you want it to, you want the calls to be consistent no matter who the driver is. And unfortunately, sometimes that doesn't always happen. <laughs> Any final comments on this one, right? You know, and, and that's exactly the problem, you know, and, and I didn't get a chance to see either one of them jump starts. You know, I, I'm going to actually watch the heat races here and, and I'll try to slide them in here and I'll try to insert them into the video. So that way people can make their own call on that. But it just, it just never called that. I remember Harry Hansen, and I like Harry. I raced against Harry. I raced with Harry for years. He jumped every single start in the history of the Hibbing Raceway, like every single time. And he never, never got doctor jumping. And so I think there's sometimes that it's who you know, and if you're diplomatic. And unfortunately, that's just part of it, you know, and that just comes with officiating and judgment calls. And that's where it'd be nice to, you can't have instant replay. Some of the races, Pukta, you'd have a heart attack. I mean, if they're already four or five hours long, you get instant replay, we'll be there for two days for a one-day show. So we, we can't have that. But <laughs> throw, the, throw the challenge flag. Throw yeah. the challenge out there. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to redo this deal. But, but the fact of the matter is, you know, you're going to have that, but you're right on the money. Things need to be consistent. And if they're consistent, then you can, you're okay. You're a little bit more okay with a bad call as long as they call it the same way every time. And uh, I from what I understand, that may not have happened. Yeah, and like I said, it ended up with being a couple of different flagmen. Now, would the starting zone, Ryan, help in those situations where maybe guys, because like you said, they know when he's going to hit it. He has to wait to that cone. But if you've got a zone, they don't know where he's going to hit it. Maybe they stay in formation just a little bit more. Well, they're pretty flexible, or typically. You know, typically they're pretty flexible on that over there. So they don't see ABC Raceway in Ashland. You fire right at the cone. But typically superior, you know, if you're within a car length or two and you start to accelerate, you're good. You know, they usually don't do much about it. Um, but if you wait till that cone to fire, typically good things don't happen. And and that's, maybe that's what Jeff was doing. Maybe he was waiting till he got to the cone because he knew that Joe got docked already, right? right? So maybe he's like, well, heck, they already docked my brother, brother for jumping. I better watch my P's and Q's because, well, I'm Jeff Provenzino, and if there's a bad call, I guarantee it's going against me, so I better kind of watch it, and maybe that played into it. Maybe that's why he kind of slow rolled up until that cone, and that's what happened, but I, I hate the cone. I, I like what Aberdeen's doing. you got to have a zone. It just it makes racing better. The leader should start the race. Not a stupid cone, not the flag man. The leader should start the race. If the leader starts the race, all this other stuff doesn't happen. Yeah, okay. All right, another issue that kind of came up was leader protection. You know, we've all heard about leader protection, and in feature number one with the late models, Pat Doerr's checked out, not even watching the guy he's so checked out, and it's Pat Doerr, right? And it's in Superior, so Pat Doerr's going to be gone. There's a great battle, Mars, Massengill, I can't remember exactly who else was in that mix. 
Um, you know, they're fighting for like second, third, fourth, that kind of thing. There was a, there was a couple of cars you could, th- yeah, yeah, Jossie, you could throw a blanket over them. And all of a sudden, I look out of the corner, and of course, you see people pointing, and here's Greg Nippolt and Door, they're together. And Ryan, you got to see that, right? What were I your did thoughts? Not see it oh, because, you didn't see that like one. Like you okay. said, Pat Door was so far ahead that XR was videotaping the race, and they're like, well, that wasn't even a race. He's like gone. So they were videotaping that race for second because that was a battle. There was a yeah. good race going on there for second. So, but I listened to it, and they said, oh, Pat, no, we're hard on the brakes, right? So, when I, so I talked to a fellow racer that was there, and he was watching that. He's like, man, did you see that? Pat Doerr got screwed. I'm like, well, I was kind of told he dumped the guy. I was told that he drove in the back of the guy. So, he went on to tell me, he goes, yeah, but you don't understand. Like, the lap or so before that, that lap car, which would have been nipple, pinched him all the way up into the fence, and he had to dynamite the brakes. Door got underneath him, and he about ran him in the infield. And then finally, Doro got to run, and the guy's like a freaking fly swatter. No wonder he's like the first guy left because he's all over the dang racetrack. Hold your car straight. It ain't that difficult. Slow down if you can't control it. And, uh, you know, so that was a tough break for Pat Doro because, yeah, did he dump him? Probably. He probably got into the back of him. But when you've got a lap car that has no idea where the hell they're going on the racetrack, what do you expect, right? So that's where lead car protection is a good thing because, you know, it's one thing, and like I said, if a guy's just coming up on a lap car and they get right to him and they just dump him, move him out of the way, spin him out, that put the guy in the back, right? But if you got a guy swatting flies out there, that's on the lap car at that point. And that was a tough, tough break because Pat Doerr was gone and he probably would have won race number one in the Twin 25. So a really tough break for Pat Doerr for sure. Yeah, and what happens, doesn't Wazota kind of have a rule that you got some leader protection? Or didn't they at one time? I thought that that was a thing like five years ago, no? No, back to what we talked about a couple months back. Wazota doesn't have any rules, right? They got rules. They got rules. You got to have stickers on your car, and you got to have a stamp on your <laughs> wheels, and you got to have all this stupid stuff. You know, your uh, wheel well opening's got to be correct, and all this ticky-tack crap that they want to tech, but they have 50-some racetracks, and they don't have the same procedures anyway. Uh... So should there be? Absolutely. There should be, there should be, this is how a race is ran. If you're a Wissota race, here's the guidelines. Here's how you do it. It's not that complicated. And, and I, why they don't have that? Absolutely beyond me. I really have no idea, but they should. Yeah. And then the second feature. So then um, Rick Hannestead's leading. He's out to a nice lead. And then he gets into it with Nimi. What's his, do you know his first name, Ryan? I can't think of it. Is it Brett Nimi? It'll come to me. Keep, okay. Pete. Yeah, Keith Neme. Keith Neme. So they get into it. Same kind of deal. They're both spun. And then Hannistead gets his spot back. And I didn't see that one either because same thing. Hannistead was out. Mars was marching. And then the fans were like, ooh, just, you know, like, what happened here? Door gets sent to the back. Now this guy keeps his spot. It was just, again, that consistent calling. So on that one, I also talked to the same guy. And he says, the yellow was out. Nobody spun. Nobody spun. Like, they were making con- – they had contact, and they were, like, hitting the brakes and making contact, but they were still rolling. There was no uh-huh. – nobody spun out. Okay. So, yeah, he got up to Nimi, and, and I don't – he didn't really say if Nimi was all over the track. I don't know that. But Hannafstead got into him, and then they kind of let loose, and then he got into him again, and kind of in that whole transition there, they threw the yellow flag. Well, don't throw the yellow flag if the car's not spun out on the racetrack. Sure. Right? So then they probably looked at it and said – you know, in, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm going, all right, they probably knew they screwed up throwing the yellow flag because nobody stopped. Well, how the heck can you put the leader to the back if he didn't stop the race? Yeah, right. So it's kind of, it sounds to me like it was, you know, that was probably the right call, but the first one on Pat Doerr was 
not a good deal. And, you know, again, I, I'm really glad that I'm not a flag man or a corner worker because as an announcer, things happen way faster than you think. Like, uh, you know, and we'll get into the Superstock deal, but I saw Scott Lawrence get turned around in Ogilvy, and I'm like, yeah, he did that all on his own. Then I watched the tape. I'm like, nope, you got <laughs> he put it to the back, you know? And I, I'm like, I, I physically watched it, and I saw it with my own eyes. I was looking right at him when it happened. I'm like, yeah, that was all on 77, I'm thinking. Then I watched the tape. I'm like, oh, how the heck, how did I not see that? So sometimes it's a little tougher and I think it's important for these officials to be away from the corners far enough to where they have a good vantage point because things happen so fast that uh, I'm starting to get a little bit, I guess, a uh, little bit of forgiveness for the officials because sometimes it's not as easy as I think. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to Saturday night. Bert, you had some racing action going out there in Shano and you guys raised some money. Uh, yeah, it was a regular week of racing, but it was uh, racing for a reason uh, where, uh, you know, fans and you know, p people from the public donate uh, stuff for baskets, uh, for uh, raffled baskets and silent auctions. And, uh, and the proceeds uh, go towards uh, childhood cancer organizations. And the unofficial total is they raised $16,500 on Saturday night uh, for uh, racing for a reason. Uh, the Nick Avalink diecast car that I made and showed you guys last week, uh, that broke a record and sold for $400. That's the first die cast I've ever made that sold for more than $400. Uh, so, and the racing action was really good. Uh, I'll just, just briefly go over late model stuff. Uh, Nick Avalink didn't start on the front row this week. And he started sixth or eighth. I can't remember which, but uh, he got up to second and he, he tried for the lead several times. Uh, but Ron Berna got the win. Uh, it was a good bounce back week for Berna uh, since last week in his heat race. Uh, he was in a, uh, in a wreck and back, backed his car into the concrete wall in turn three. And the bars by the fuel cell were, you know, all those bars in the back of the car were bent up pretty good. So uh, to get back out the next week and win the feature was pretty impressive. So it, it was a good run for him. And, uh, you know, like I said, Avlink finished second. Awesome. All right, let's shift her back to Minnesota on a Saturday night. The announcer, Ryan Ayo, you guys uh, finished up the Superstock Series down in Ogilvy at the Big O. Right there, right there. I got the hot Carl swag and everything. I'm feeling good. I should have a tie with this. This is like formal wear. But, guys, I tell you what, I, the Superstock racing was absolutely awesome, all five races of the series. So we get down to Ogilvy, Wagaman's Ogilvy Raceway, Ogilvy, Minnesota. Shane Sabraski, all he had to do was finish second in the heat, and he locked up the championship. And uh, he, he actually won his heat. He drove from the back. He won his heat. And next thing you know, that we, we put together a little bonus. And we said, you know, he got it won. There's no national points. There's no nothing. How about we have you start in the back? And he's like, yeah. So we got some bonus. Guys, we raised $1,805. So we did out of car introduction. We get out to the track. And, and his car owner's not having it, right? He's like, oh, I, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. I don't want to wreck the car. And I could see it. Well, we got the crowd into this whole deal, and we played it all up. Guess what? Shane Sebraski started 26th on the grid. So did he decide during the outdoor introductions? You guys he kind did. of pressured him? The car owner was standing on the front straightaway by the fence as we're doing introductions. And I got to the, I got to him. I announced him, and I said, how many people want to see him start in the back? And the crowd went crazy. <laughs> And he, and he goes, it's not up to me. He goes, and he looked at his car owner. He goes, it's up to him. He goes, well, can we get five more laps? 
And I'm like, well, that's up to the track. That ain't up to me. So <laughs> the track said, well, it's up to the crowd. And he says, we'll give you five more laps. We'll give you five more laps. And the crowd went crazy, right? And the car owner kind of nodded. And Shane said, yeah, we'll do it. The place went bonkers. He got the lead on lap, like lap 27. He didn't need five more laps. 26 to win. Guys, the crowd was ecstatic. Yeah. Every time he passed the car, people were, I mean, it was loud. I haven't seen that kind of energy at a racetrack in a long time, and it was super cool to see. I've seen people take something where they started back, but I have not seen a guy win from 26. So, so that was a hell of a show by Shane Sabraski. He won the series 14 wins already this year. The Iron Man, he, we've been talking about him week in, week out, and he has been absolutely solid all year long. <laughs> awesome. Well, congrats on a great series, and and uh, hope it keeps growing and uh, you can get – well, I hope it doesn't get too big, you know. <laughs> but we want to, you know, want it to keep growing. All right, and then Saturday and also was the uh, Dwayne Mater Memorial held this year at Rice Lake instead of the Red Cedar Speedway, which it traditionally has. Uh, Jimmy Mars comes in as the three-time and only – champion but uh the human highlight highlight reel as ryan likes to call him bossy adams uh leads every lap after three hour rain delay look pretty strong ryan yeah i mean it wasn't like he started in the front and just kind of held on or whatever <laughs> he checked oh mars tracked him for quite a while and then mars kind of got a little tight i think on the cushion and he kind of slid back a little bit but buzzy was gone he checked out and uh, $5,555 later, I mean, he was pumped. He had no – he's like, man, I needed some traction because I had no front brakes. You know, so that was super cool to see. And uh, what, what surprised me, though, was the car count, but we'll talk about that next. But, yeah, hats off to Buzzy. First win, guys, I, he's going to win a lot more. The guy's won in everything. I mean, he's won in street stocks. He's won in Midwest Mods. He's won in Supers. He's won in A Mods. And he's won big races in all of them. The guy can flat out wheel a race car. And he's just another one of those – mod guys coming in and <laughs> the stock range right there. so good job buzzy yeah congrats buzzy and you know as, as many of you loyal listeners know you know he was on with us back in march or april it was a great interview and i didn't realize all the winning he had done until ryan had you know kind of went through the stats i was like oh my god i've been watching him for years I met him when he was a young guy uh, in a street stock and superior so congratulations of course you, you couldn't build the story better right at his dad's track at his home track you know, family there, all of his buddies. It was a great setting. Now, Ryan just mentioned car counts. Bert, we had 41 up in Superior on Friday night for the Twin Ports Twin 25s. We're thinking, gosh, you know, at least 30 are going to go down for 5,555 to win. I think 500 or 555 to start, 24 cars. So what say you on that subject? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure why there's a low car count. I mean, I, I checked the count. I think it was like at 6 o'clock on my race pass and there's only 19 checked in at that time when i sent you guys a text only 19 cars for 5500 to win uh but they got five more since then but yeah i mean you would think with that type of, of a purse that there would have been more than 24 cars um you know i'm sure a change in venue maybe had something to do with that um but i mean i mean how far is rice lake from menominee Right, 90 miles, I mean, Ryan, something like that, 60 miles? No, Rice Lake from Menominee is maybe an hour. Yeah, it's probably an hour. Okay, an hour? Okay. Okay. Yeah. And obviously it did end up raining, but there was a three-hour rain delay, so maybe some people were looking at the radar. I wasn't because I knew I was going to Hibbing, so I wasn't really paying attention. Ryan, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that's to me it's easy, right? You had 41 cars up in Superior, now 11 of them went to Hibbing, right? So, Ben, now you're down to 30. Um, Jet, uh, Radetzky, he broke some stuff. I don't know what, he had mechanical failure there in, in, uh, Superior, of course, on Friday night. 
So that's 12. Now that some of the guys just didn't race on Saturday. Like you take a Marshall Fagers, he's, he's been really good. I mean, he's good. He's won a ton of races. I don't know why he didn't go there. Well, he did bring in superior too, though, actually. Oh, he did. Okay. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Cause he, he came out for the heat, took a couple of parade laps, parked it and, Three towed off, never showed up the rest of the night. And then there was a few local guys, right? You know, there was a couple Lillos. There was three Lillos in Superior. One of them went up to Hibbing. Two of them didn't race on Saturday. Then you had both Belfies, you know, which are basically pretty green in the late model. They didn't go anywhere on Saturday. So, so you know, I, you know, there's just not many late models in Wisconsin. If you think about it, they got kind of their core group. They got pretty much everybody in the area. You know, you got the Eastern Wisconsin guys that race Eastern Wisconsin. They're not with Soul anymore. And then you got the you got the Hibbing, Superior, Proctor, Grand Rapids core group up there. They went and raced Hibbing. So they got everybody they're going to get. You know, there's yeah. really nobody else for them to get. You know, there's really nothing else kind of in central Minnesota. The Western cars all ran South Dakota and LRA was going on. So if you think about it, late model racing as you know it, with Soda late model racing as you know it, Wisconsin, is not healthy. It's dying. You know, so that's a big, big part of it right there. And uh, I think that's something Wasota needs to look at. Now, I don't believe it was 550 to start. I think I think it was really good up top, and I think it kind of dropped fairly fast. It was still a great show, great payout. But if, if it would have been 500 to start or something, I think a few more than Hibbing cars probably would have gone down. Okay. But a few than Hibbing cars said, man, we just ain't been very good. You know, we're, we're, we'll just go right Hibbing. Because we're not, you know, they're just not good enough right now to go down there and win. Derek Vessel, on the other hand, his cop, you know, his crew chief is the parts guy. So he had to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, right, so right. Yeah. That, that's okay, the, and well, then the yeah. weather. And then the yeah. weather. Too. Yeah, and then the weather. You know, now I'm drawing on, I know at one point, and maybe it was the first and it was like five, 5,000 went 500 stars. So I was just kind of drawing on that. Now, one thing I thought of it, Bert, maybe you can comment on that, or both of you can comment on this. You know, obviously Jimmy Mars was in town. You know, they're, they're racing the World of Outlaws in Kokomo. Jimmy shows up, races Twin Ports 25. Sammy's there, his son. I'm sure he's trying to get in, mentor him, and do some stuff with him. You know, is there a point where some of the guys kind of look at it and say, gosh, Jimmy's in the house. I'm just not going because I don't feel I have a chance. Bert? Well, if a driver has that mentality, then I, it's not a good mentality to have. <laughs> uh, I've, I've interviewed lots of local drivers, and one of the questions I always ask them uh, you know, if I know that they travel out of state to races, I always ask them, why do you travel to Iowa to race, you know, if it's the IMCA modified driver? And they always tell me, you're going to get better if you race against tougher competition. And Jimmy Mars is about as locally is about as tough as competition that you can find. And me as a fan, I love going to races where a driver who has made a name for himself on the national scene is going to be racing against the locals and you want to see how the locals stack, you know, stack up against them. And that should be the mentality that the drivers have too. I mean, if, if you're not going to a race, if you're not going to race in a race because Jimmy Mars is there, then, then there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, do you, do you think case, you're going to see three super stocks at every show for the rest of the year when Sebraski shows up because they ain't going to beat them, right? <laughs> you know, it, but that's the thing. I think Bert's right on the money. You know, you know, I mean, if you're talking competitive type A, I mean, we're race car drivers. You want to race against the best. I mean, and if you don't, you know, you're a cherry picker and like you suck at life. It just is what it is. Now, <laughs> I'm going to give kudos to Jeffrey Massingill. Jeffrey Massingill, he's been running some World of Outlaw stuff. 
he 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 was the only other guy guys to finish in the top five in both features at the twin 25s other than mars so he ran really good I, he didn't he didn't quite run quite as well on a race like this time but you know he's actually traveling and doing them things and i promise you come invitational time he's going to be better for it because he's going to be running against some high-end cars all year long and the hitting late models to me and, and a lot of them are my friends, but I'm just going to say it how it is. They don't usually travel that well. I mean, you take your door, Demo, Mars, Kanta, Radetzky, Mater, Glenn, that group travels well. They show up somewhere, they're going to win. They're, they're up there all the time. Typically speaking, the, the Hibbing Core group of late models, they run good at home. They don't, you know, and every once in a while, they might run good somewhere else, yeah. but they should travel more. And, and I'd like to see some of them guys go down to Cedar Lake, you know, for the USA Nationals come up. You know, race against the top guys, you're going to get better. And that's what I like to see, for sure. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. Absolutely. All right. Well, speaking of core group of guys, we have the NLRA, which uh, always has a core group of guys following that series. And there was a lot of action. I mean, almost the furthest west you can get for Wazota, huh, Ryan? I mean, Devil's Lake doesn't get much further, further west. <laughs> yeah, there, there was racing three nights in a row. Of course, they were at, they were at uh, Ada on Thursday. They went over to... Grand Forks on Friday, and then they were out at Dallas Lake. Strand got another win out there. He's right up there in the power rankings for us. Incidentally, Mars, the new number one in the power rankings. That's, <laughs> that's coming out, right? You know, but uh, um, first of all, I'm going to say that Dave Moss ran good. I mean, he's been solid. He's been starting deep. He's been up in second, third. He's been running really good. But a little controversy over there in Devil's Lake. So we talked about Sebrasti coming from 26th to 1st. Dustin Strand was inside of Shaw, got the lead, right? And Shaw, actually, Shaw had the lead. Strand slid him. Now, I'm going to stop it right here, play the video so you guys can see it. And now, you guys, we, now we can talk about this because you saw the video. And, and he, what do you think, right? They put Dustin Strand to the back on this field, okay? They put him to the back. Now, I had to watch this three times because when he dove inside of Shaw, Shaw's car leaped up to the right and drove up the racetrack, smashed into Moss. He owns Moss's car, so now, you know, Shaw got into him, and now you got a wrecked race car up there. And I'm like, man, instantly, I'm like, sprang to the back. I mean, he doored up. I'm like, holy crap. Then I look back. I watched it like three times. And I'm like, I don't think he hit him. I don't think there was even contact. Like, he slid him, and I think it looked to me like Shaw hit the brakes and maybe grabbed a little bit of a rut and traction up and went up the racetrack. It did not look to me like there was actually contact. What do you guys think? Well, my initial, well, you, you sent me the video and I watched it and my initial reaction, I mean, it was definitely a power move. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I mean, it's racing. There's going to be power moves. Uh, but yeah, my, my first reaction was, I don't think they, there was any contact. If there was, it was just the, the rear of Strand's car and the nose of, uh, of Shaw's car. Um, so, I mean, if there was contact, it was minimal contact. Uh, for Shaw to lose control like he did. But the funny thing to me was uh, the announcers in that video, they're even talking, they're saying, you know, that Shaw got into the back of Strand and Shaw just lost control. And then the next thing, the race is restarting and Strand's not in the lead. 
Well, and I, you know, more, more so than what happened because yeah, like I said, it's just so hard to tell. Like I said, Ryan, I was just like, same thing. I'm like, gosh, you know, Strand drove in so hard. Why at this point of the race? And plus I've seen him race and devil's like, that guy can go on the top and he's a, he, he's a, he's like Pat door, you know? So it's like, he didn't even need to do that power move that early in the race. He could have went up top, but do those two have some history? Because now later Strand does get around because Shaw gets a spot back Strand and Strand gets inside of him in one and two. And it seems like there's a little bit of, do you know if there's any history there or what, what's well, there their relationship? Now. Like? There might be now, okay. but I don't think they've raced against each other enough to really create history. But Strand came from 25th to second, which was impressive. And he actually, like you said, on the last time that he passed Shaw, that was him quarter paneling Shaw yeah. and Shaw maintained control of the car very well that time. So I think, yeah, so that kind of ties it in. But the other story is, I think this gets 21 years old. Brody Trotgruben from Grand Fork started 10th, and he actually drove around both those guys, right, to win this deal on the outside. I'm like, holy who? I've never heard of this kid. So that's a guy to keep an eye on, starting 10th in an NLRA show, winning that deal after a little bit of controversy there at Devil's Way. Um, the track was racy. There was a bottom, there was a top. Oh, yeah. and it, it was a really, really fun race to watch little controversy there but uh, we'll, we'll have to let the viewers they can watch that you know they can they can make that decision for themselves what they think but you know i talked to the owners of the track the owners of the track said yeah we screwed up on that one they said that was that was the wrong call um so even the owners of the track said that they probably the officials got that one wrong so i think i agree with them <laughs> well all right well just to, oh, no, go ahead, i just want to say what I, and if that's the case, I applaud the track for admitting they made a mistake. I mean, the worst thing that what compounds a problem is when they're when you make the wrong call and then you just double down and you don't invent it. Right. That's a good point. Yeah, for sure. All right, and then to wrap up the weekend, the Hibbing Hall of Fame night. Uh, Ryan, you know, some people, some names we recognize. You know, especially like Roger Neiman and Dick Chrisman. I saw them race a lot of laps there. Um, you know, just I mean, your comments uh, on the evening. You know, it's just great. They, they put six people into the Hall of Fame. You can go to the Hibbing Raceway Facebook page to learn a little bit more about these people. You know, but you know, like the notable ones that we knew exactly, Roger Nemi, um, the 96. I mean, he was great in the six cylinders, the super stocks. Dick Christman was a legend. I mean, the guy won a ton of races. And I watched a pretty neat video. Um, so Dick Christman actually got interviewed by Mark Tremor, who's a board member up there. And talking about how he got started racing and all that. Guys, he lives 100 miles from the Hibbing Raceway, from his doorstep to the Hibbing Raceway, 100 miles. And when he first started racing, he actually took a chain, and they pulled his car all the way to Hibbing with a chain, with a chain. And he's like, you go up the hill, you'd have to drive the car up the Proctor Hill. I'm like, holy crap. So, I mean, that's commitment. Right? That, that guy's, I'm like, that guy's a racer. He's a real racer, right? And that leads me to something else. It's like, where the hell is Jay Kittner, right? He lives in Hibbing. He buys a brand new MB Custom. He doesn't go to Rapids, straight to the bumps or something. He doesn't go to the Twin 25s. Why, I don't know. Well, then it come to find out, they're like, well, we couldn't find somebody to drive the hauler. I'm like, Jay, you're like almost 50 years old. You don't have a CDL or don't can't find somebody that, you know a lot of people. He could have found a, quit making excuses, right? Yeah. I mean, come on. You buy a brand new MB Custom race car and you don't And he looks good this year. He's, he looks yeah, good this I year, mean, too. He's running well. What kind of a crappy excuse is that can't find somebody <laughs> to drive the hauler? Dick Crispin pulls his car 100 miles with a chain, and he's like, well, I just can't find somebody to drive the hauler today. Guys, when I won my first national championship, or second one, actually, in 2004, I raced that whole season. I didn't even have a driver's license, let alone a CDL. 
I had, I had too many speeding tickets before the season. I completely lost my license. I drove all over the countryside, no license. I don't understand that, but here's the deal. I wasn't going to make an excuse. I was looking for an excuse to race. Not going, well, you know, I just don't have a CDL. So I, shut up. Come on. Quit being a pussy, for God's sake. Get your ass to the racetrack and race. Come on. You know, so I, that, that just drives me nuts. It's, it's kind of, think about Labor Day weekend, how many people stay home from the Wissota Classic. Oh, I'm going to save my car for him. Yeah. <laughs> What if you draw that? You ain't gonna pass anybody yeah, anyway. Right, right. You're screwed anyway. Right. You're kidding me. You know, just yeah, it was frustrating. But Jeffrey Matt or Jeffrey uh, Wood Jr. Um, first ever career win in the modified. Hell, lot Johnny Broking. So yeah. you know, hats off to him and um, Kyle Peterlin. He was over at Bravo's that morning. He's like, I don't even want to go. I hope it rains out. I don't even want to go to the races. My car's been terrible. That's why he didn't go to Rice Lake. He's like, he's like, this thing sucks. I got no traction. It, it won't even go. I'm just I'm, sick of this thing he wants to cut it up well then it locked down rubber you know and he got the lead and won so he's like well i guess it worked out pretty good but <laughs> so kyle peterman got her done and tristan labarge double up on the weekend but another another first time winner kind of cool to see a first time winner there with jeffrey wood jr yeah and again real popular fans you know fans you got a great ovation and uh, yeah probably the worst track kibbing had all year not that the track is necessarily bad um because they did try to keep up with the misting you know there was some wind um, you know, it was a bright, sunny day. Uh, but, um, you know, if I had to grade it, yeah, probably a B minus C plus because you could move a little bit at the beginning, but it just, it just ended up drying up over time. So, all right, that's kind of the wrap on the week that was. Now we're going to move over to the week that is coming up. And um, for the three of us, when especially Bert and I, I mean, this is, it doesn't get any better than this, right, Bert? I mean, this is, this is what we live for. This is the week. And uh, the 33rd USA Nationals will be held, obviously, at Cedar Lake Speedway coming up Thursday, Friday, Saturday, World of Outlaw Show. Plus, we got some limited late, my limited, my crate late models on Thursday. We got full NASCAR slash Wazota, whatever, whatever it is in, in Cedar Lake land now, Friday, Saturday. But we did have some breaking news that Ryan just brought up to us uh, right before we got on the pod here. So, uh, why don't you talk about that? And then, Bert, why don't you just go ahead and, and, and you can just comment on Ryan's comments. Uh, without me getting in the middle of it. Well, I, I was looking on Facebook earlier, and everything on Facebook's a gospel, you know, so I, I, I had to be true. <laughs> and there's, like, a laundry list of guys that, like, in my mind, I'm like, these guys are all going to be there. You know, people like Davenport, and, in fact, you know, I could kind of look through the list, but a bunch of the Lucas Oil guys aren't coming. A bunch of them. Josh Richards ain't coming. Um, Davenport, T-Mac, um, Who's a couple of the other ones? Here, right? I can. You want me to name them for you, yeah, Ryan? Na- yeah, name them off there. Billy Moyer All right. Jr. Yeah, Madden, T-Mac, McDowell, Berkey, Ziegler, Moyer Jr., Tyler Herb, I'm assuming not Dennis Herb, because Dennis is the – Tyler uh, Herb, Herb sounds like he's coming now. Okay. I got, I got I got a text from Bob, Ben Shelton, and he said that Tyler Herb is going to be there. Okay, so Tyler's yep. coming. Clanton – Earl Pearson Jr., Richards, the aforementioned, and uh, Davenport. And I know we've known, we said last week that Davenport was still just, uh, you he's know, undecided. kind of. In- he said he's deciding in the next day, according to Ben Shelton, of course, with MFR, what is that, MFR Mafia? Yeah, MSR, yeah, yeah, MSR, yeah Mafia? MSR Mafia, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And he, so, I mean, obviously, he's in the know. He actually does a lot of the marketing for these guys. He said he talked to Davenport. He said he's in the know in a day or two, which obviously he's going to know in a day or two, right? We've got to decide tomorrow if he's going to get up there. But his reasoning was, well, the Lucas Oil, not his reasoning, but a lot of the driver's reasoning was, well, the Lucas Oil guys, we've got such a big stretch coming up, and, you know, this is kind of our weekend off. 
33rd annual. It's never been the weekend off. <laughs> it's been a short season anyways. They race for a living. But I'm like 50 grand to win. So I'm going to take the 50 grand a weekend off so that way I can go race for 12 grand tomorrow. What? Come on. Why the heck? Again, these aren't racers. Jimmy Owens is a racer. Jimmy Owens is a race car driver. That guy will do whatever he has to do to get her done. He has – I watched him back in the mod days. Mod days, another mod guy, went late model, right? And he is a racer. The guy's a racer. I mean, you've seen when the Lucas Oil has been off and all of a sudden, boom, Jimmy Owens pops in, right? So Jimmy Owens, he wants to race. He's been fast. He's winning. And all these other guys are going, well, you know what? Owens is going to be there. B-Shep's going to be there. Well, we can't beat him. I guess we're just going to be a bunch of pussies and stay home kidding me come on you know it's just that's just where this two sanctioning body deal sucks right because you know i i hate that you know the crown jewel is a crown jewel there's not many 50 grand to win shows three grand to start there's it's typically like 700 to start it's three grand to start this race what the hell is wrong with people why would they not come to this event it makes no sense to me Davin, i mean are they just that big a prima donna crybaby why, i don't know what their deal is why would you not come it just blows my mind. And now, Bert, you actually had some positive news on this on somebody that you heard that is coming, which I'm excited about because I love watching this guy. So, Bert, what do you got? Yeah, I just want to touch on a couple of things that you said first, though. Um, you know, you said that they're not – they don't want to come here because they want to use the weekend off. Well, they had the previous weekend off. How many weekends off do they need in a, in a season that's been shortened because of COVID and the number of high-paying events – it is let I mean we don't know what's going to have happen with the world 100 I mean I'm I'm almost positive there's not going to be any fans at a you know there's there may be a race at Eldora but I don't think it's going to be a race with fans there um so I don't you know in in past years when they've raced in this event and maybe this is part of the issue is they would be they'd be racing at Farberry and then they're not as far away from Cedar Lake uh where now they're you know they're you know uh, Davenport would be in North Carolina, so he's got to drive up to Wisconsin, whatever. But still, I mean, you're a racer in a season that's been shortened already, and the number of big races is less. So I don't quite understand it. Um, but um, I was looking at Dirt on Dirt today, and uh, that's actually where I found where I where I found out that this driver might be there. So then I checked his schedule and he does have the USA nationals on his schedule. And that would be Brandon Overton, who's uh, been extremely successful this year. Uh, so, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, seeing him race at Cedar Lake. I mean, actually on dirt on dirt, the question they asked their panel was, is there a driver this year who can go on a run like Madden did last year? and Overton was brought up as one of the possible drivers that could do that. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see Overton there. Uh, Jimmy Owens has it on his schedule. I see he, he has Beaver Dam on his schedule also because they're going to be at Beaver Dam um, on Tuesday night uh, on their way to Cedar Lake. So uh, I'm excited to see those guys. And the fans fund drivers this year is a stellar group. I mean, I think it's one of the strongest groups ever in the fans fund. Uh, and there's some young up and coming drivers in that group that I'm looking forward to, to watching. So we may not have some of those uh, uh, veteran drivers at there, but we're going to have some uh, young drivers who are eager to win that $50,000. 
some some mod guys as as ryan would say yeah <laughs> some mod guys but yeah that's you know I, I was kind of looking at this too and you know what it's the droop rule or if guys are sandbagging because of the fans fund you know like uh, mcdowell's been in the fans fund for many many years and all of a sudden he's saying i'm not gonna be there now remember he's married or his brother, who actually owns his car, is married to one of the Cook's daughters who used to own Cedar Lake. So I always just thought he was kind of a gimme. You know, and I didn't really look enough of the results in Kokomo. I mean, some of these Lucas guys had to have been in Kokomo. And I know they ended up getting rained out, so maybe they pulled out early. But, you know, Kokomo in Indiana isn't that far to get to Beaver Dam to race at night and then to shoot over a little bit further west, you know, to Cedar Lake. So, and Ryan, yeah, I echo what you said. Jimmy Owens, he was the only Lucas guy that showed up in Superior for the World of Outlaw show. And a guy like Davenport that's got a big following, I mean, how many t-shirts are sold in that souvenir row at Cedar Lake? I mean, it's got to be one of the better, you know, well, I mean, not better necessarily, but I know Joe Provo told me some of the statistics, some of these racers, you know, some of these guys, they said, geez, if we can, we can figure out a way to win about 10 grand at the, at the show, and we can sell another ten grand of T-shirts at a place like Cedar Lake. You know, it's been a successful weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And Davenport to me is like the younger version of Scott Bloomquist. He's a hellion. He's kind of a kind of a little bit of a rebel. He is fun to watch, but he he kind of threw a temper tantrum there last year with the you know with what happened. So maybe that's kind of holding him back. And I don't know if he's kind of waiting for somebody to call and beg him to come or just playing the game. I don't know, but. You know, as a race fan, you know, when, when they have these crown jewels and there's a handful of them a year, ultimately I want to see the best late model drivers in the country all head-to-head. We all want to see that. And, and when I see these Lucas, some of these Lucas guys going, ah, we're not going to go, it could be the group rule. I don't know. I talked to Casey Schumann from the World of All Laws, and he says, well, I doubt it. Well, of course he's going to say that, right? <laughs> but there might be something to that, you know, because B-Chef's been working with that rule all year long. The Lucas Oil guys have not, so maybe there is something to that. But, you know, we're talking we're talking big paying events. It just makes no sense why some of the top drivers in the world are not going to be at one of the biggest crown jewels of the season it just, I just don't get it. I just shake my head. Hopefully, hopefully our intel is wrong, and a few of them guys show up. That's what I'm hoping. Well, I was look, I was looking on uh, Jonathan Davenport's uh, Facebook page while I checked the schedule, and for this weekend he has to be announced. And I was looking on his Facebook page, and he did post. I I don't know what day day he posted this, but. He posted that they're going to be racing somewhere. They're just not sure yet. But what other races? I mean, I'm sure there's some very small events uh, taking place. But why would you go to a very small event locally when you're one of the best drivers? You know, you're in the top five for sure right. in the nation. And you're racing for $50,000. That just it doesn't make any sense to me. And, I mean, Puka made a good point, too, though. I mean, yeah, Jonathan Davenport has – been selected through the fans fund several times so you know i mean i hope that's not the case where you skip a year so you can get paid a thousand dollars just to show up the next year yeah just sandbagging it so yeah it'd be interesting to see kind of what happens there um you know disappointed a little bit you know we'll kind of see how it happens i mean maybe overton's just licking his chops he's gonna go extra hard to try and win that thing but like i said part of the nationals for me is i like the local stuff too i mean those are good shows those local um, you know, Anvil Inc. and people like that come in. If Scott Ward ends up coming in, you know, some of these guys that I don't normally get to see, I enjoy that race. Just, you know, and I get two features out of that deal. Well, I guess I get two features out of the other one too, including Thursday. But, you know, like I said, it's all around a festival of late models, which is in my wheelhouse. <laughs> Scott Ward's going to race the open show. 
He's not racing the local the local deal. Only okay. Uh, yeah, Morgan might come though. He said that his daughter is probably going to bring her car, and she's you know, so that'll be somebody different. Yeah, exactly. Who picks? I mean, if we let's pick the local, and let's pick the let's pick the big one. But on the local one first, who's your guys' pick? The you know, we don't need to pick both nights, but you know, we'll just if you make a pick and he wins one of the nights, we'll call it a win. Who do you pick, Bert? Well, you go first. Um, well, I. I actually have two drivers that I wrote down, uh, Jesse Glenn's and Pat Doerr. All right, I'm going, uh, I'm, I'll go A.J. Demel. You know, he's pretty good <laughs> during this show. How about you, Ry? All right, so you guys went with Doerr, you went with Demel, you went with Jesse Glenn's. Well, just give me Glenn's. If, if we're only picking one driver, just give me Glenn's. Okay, and you can pick both. You can pick both. Okay. Um. <clears throat> I am going to go with Giassi. There's another Team good pick. GRP Motorsports. I'm going to go with James Nitro Giassi. Um, guys, he, he took he was off for quite a while because he had engine issues. And uh, when he raced and he won the first night of the Twin 25s, that was his first race back. And actually, it was his first Wissota race of the whole year. He bought his license at the track and then won that, that, that very next race. So I, I'm looking for Giassi to be fast in, uh, in that 11 ride. All right, how about the World of Outlaws, Bert? Who you got? Um, are we picking just the main show? or Yeah, just Thursday pick for Saturday. Too? Pick a guy to keep an eye on. Well, I hate picking Shepard because, I mean, that's uh, <laughs> low-hanging fruit. But I'll, I'll go with Shepard with keep an eye on Overton. Ryan? RTJ, that's a good pick. I'll RTG, tell you what, I'm going to be cheering for that son of a gun. Little traction up at Cedar Lake, up on the wheel, up on the pump. Bert's obviously got two good picks there. But, uh, boy, Ricky Thornton Jr. has been tough. So, he's, he's my guy to watch. I'm going to go a little bit more dark horses here, but he's raced at the track twice already this year. He led, I think, the most laps possibly last year on Feature 9. That's Kay Dillard. So, um, you know, he's been getting a little bit better, a little bit better all year. Like I said, he was there for the Masters. He was there for Fourth of July week, and he's got some laps down. So, knock on wood that Kay Dillard he's been can good. Uh, yeah, I can take it he's home. So he's, he's a little, little bit dark horses, not too much, but uh, too much. we'll see. Yeah, not too much. Yeah. So <laughs> I do want right, to so say, yeah. that, I do wanna say though that I hope Shepard doesn't win because I like it when uh you know like a dark horse driver wins or you know somebody unexpected wins. So yeah, and he was a um, bullet for. I mean, how many laps did he lead last year? For 30, 40? I mean, he was. Oh no, it, it was more than fifty. Okay, well, okay. I yeah, think so, he I mean, he may have led like 60 or so. I mean, so. he was, he was, he was bolted, you know, something like, what the hell, you know? I mean, it was just, it was an incredible race. And then of course, Madden just, well, and, and Bishop, you know, that was at the end there. So Madden would not be denied last year. All right, Ryan. Well, uh, it doesn't sound like you're going to be able to make the nationals, but you got three big things on uh, your plate or that you're kind of keeping an eye on for the weekend previewing. Well, I don't know about three. I don't know about three, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to be watching the USA nationals, of course. But I'm heading over to the Viking Speedway. Uh, I get to I get to do a little announcing. I, I announced the Superstock Series, and now they're going to let me do a whole show. So I'm going to apologize in advance. <laughs> so hopefully it goes good. But I'll be I'll be watching I'll be watching the USA Nationals too. I can promise you that. All right. How about the Street Stock Series? Yeah, the Street Stock Series. You know that step the Street Stock Series coming to a conclusion this week. Um, Saturday night, they're going to be out at Jamestown. Sunday night, the season finale, out at the Cheyenne Speedway in Lisbon. And Sunday's race is going to be on Dirt Race Central. So I'm excited to watch that. Eric Riley is leading. 
Um, Johnny Carter's in second. They're having a heck of a battle there. So kind of fun. And, you know, you got some street stock stuff going on there. But tomorrow night is the little dream. You know, and, and actually, we, we're doing the show. It's Monday. This will probably get posted maybe Tuesday, if not Wednesday. But uh, so we won't uh, – we ain't going to pick a winner. But last year, they paid $25,000 to win. Are you guys going to go over or under? Is it going to be twenty five grand to win that little dream again? A recession. I'm going under. I'm going <laughs> under also. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go well, under too. Well, and the other thing to gamble on on that one is – what non-street jock street stock driver is going to show up in somebody's street stock? Didn't Moss race it last year? He did, and he had a shot to win. I mean, he was right there at the end. But you know, it's it's hard to say. I didn't really. I looked at the pre-registration. It's pretty much all street stock guys. There's a couple other people in there, but pretty much street stock guys. But yeah, Jimmy Randall won that I think three times or whatever. Just been incredible. But uh, boy, if it gets to twenty-five grand to win, and of course, you know, for the viewers or listeners that maybe are unfamiliar with it it starts out at like a thousand will win and a whole bunch of people keep adding money to the purse and it, it all goes to the winner. You can add to whatever spot you want, but they keep adding to it. And last year was a record. They had 25,000 to win and it was sort of street stock. It was nuts. I'm like these guys will kill each other for 300 to win, let alone 25 grand. Rice Lake, I have a promotion idea for, you know, you're, you've been getting closer and closer to the USA nationals every year. Cause I think I remember when this thing used to be in June and now they've moved it a little bit later because it used to be with that June late model deal that they used to always have. I mean, this is like in the 90, you know, I'm aged, you know, it's aging me now. But anyway, um, you know, if you uh, don't have a Tuesday while the World of Outlaw late models are racing in Beaver Dam, you don't know what kind of a driver might show up if you have this baby on Wednesday because you're right up the road from Cedar Lake. You put Bloomquist in one of those street stocks, see what, see what kind of cheating he can do. You give him five hours to work on that car and see what he can do. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty good, but you know what would be kind of funny is you get one of them top guys in there, I don't know if they'd win anyway. Now, the guy that could is Ricky Thornton Jr. because he runs that IMCA. I think he runs a stock car once in a while. So it'd be really cool if it all worked out, maybe to get Ricky Thornton Jr. in one of those. We'll have to lobby for that next year. Yeah, that's what I mean. Just to get one of those guys would really add an element of kind of like what you had with Sebraski starting on the back. You know, it's kind of like this kind of all eyes on them for a while to kind of see what they can do. Right. So, Bert, what do you got? What do you Did you want to preview something? Um, yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, I've really enjoyed doing this podcast. And uh, after I tell you guys what I'm going to tell you, you may not invite me back. So uh, um, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, I am going to be turning to the dark side and we'll be going to a pavement race. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Where at? Um, Marshall? No, uh, Wisconsin International Raceway in Kekona. They have a 10,000 to win uh, super late model event. Uh, I've wanted to go to watch this race for several years, uh, but normally the World of Outlaws would be racing in Shawn at Shano Speedway on this week. Uh, this year's different than past year, so. Uh, but uh, Kyle Busch is going to be racing at WIR. Um, Bubba Pollard, who's one of the top super late model drivers, asphalt late model drivers in the country. Uh, Ty Majeski and Derek Krause, Wisconsinites, racing in the NASCAR Truck Series. They're going to be racing. So um, I'm looking forward to. Uh, seeing that event but uh i'll come back to the dirt this coming weekend <laughs> oh yeah for sure i'll see you there <laughs> we'll let you slide we'll let you slide this one <laughs> all right fellas well uh we are on the last lap segment so we have one to go well ryan you've talked about trying to hit fairberry it looks like the uh racing gods heard you 
Yeah, you know, they obviously canceled the Prairie Dirt Classic, but they added a Fairbury event because I think Jacksonville got canceled, so they slid it over to Fairbury on the 12th, and that's a couple hours away. I'm hoping, knock on wood, for Mother Nature to cooperate, but I think I'm going to talk the better half into making a trip down to Fairbury because that place is definitely on the bucket list, and Hell Tour races have all been good, and that that's definitely one that has not been disappointing to watch at all. So I'm looking forward to getting down there. Awesome. Bert, you know, you had brought up the fans fund. Do you want to do a quick rundown of the drivers that are invited this year? Um, yeah, according to a post on the 2020 page this morning on Facebook, um, these are the confirmed drivers. Uh, Jason Fager and Chris Simpson are the, are the two all-star drivers. And then the new drivers this year are Kyle Strickler, uh, Rick Eckert, Tyler Carpenter, Ross Bales, Rusty Griffaw. Uh, Jason Papich, Ricky Thornton Jr., Gordy Gundaker, and Scott Ward. Uh, and like I said earlier, I think this is one of the, from top to bottom, this is one of the best classes that the uh, Fans Fund has put together. So uh, I'm looking forward to, I mean, I'm, I've never seen uh, Tyler Carpenter race in person, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, Rick Eckert making a return to Cedar yeah. Lake. Scrub, that'll be cool. Yeah, maybe we can get a few words with him uh, while he's there. And I'm really pumped for Scott Ward. I mean, you know, because I remember like, uh, uh, what's Pete Parker's son's name? Paul. Paul and Jeff. Paul, yeah, you know, Paul was in last year, you know, right? Yeah, I think last year or the year before. So Paul's been in there. It's kind of nice to get, you know, that that's kind of the idea of it too a little bit is to get kind of this, the, it's not always about, you know, I guess – you know, the guys with a lot of name recognition is, you know, sometimes it's nice to see those guys with local, especially Ward. Look how hot he is this year. You know, he's running well. It's like if there's a guy in Wazota that deserves it, that's never been to Cedar Lake, it's him. So, um, you know, I'm ex- well, I should say, I don't know if he's ever been to Cedar Lake, but I don't know if I've ever seen him at the Nationals run. So I'm excited to see that. I think they've raised like 27 grand. So do you know how it's breaking down, Bert? Have they I, announced any of that? Okay. I haven't they, seen anything, but yeah, it was $27,609. Yeah, so they raised twenty seven. They do have a dash, so I think they take some money out of there to run the dash, um, and that'll be on Friday night. And then, of course, the rest of the drivers are guaranteed X amount of dollars, so, you know, kind of a unique uh, program. Ryan, you have any yeah. comments on the Fans Fund? No, I, I just think it's a really cool deal. You know, I, they put that together. It's been, I don't know what year it's been, but it's been for several years now. So it's a pretty cool deal. It's kind of a unique thing that they put together there at Cedar Lake for the Nationals. And like you said, to see some of them guys come that haven't been there, you know, that'll kind of replace some of the Lucas Oil guys that are sallying up and not coming, right? So Karen can stay (laughs) home and we'll get some of these other guys to come over and race. Exactly. All right, so Todd Kearing got his fingers into, uh, well, it was the Houston Speedway, then it was a Badlands Speedway. I don't even know what it's called now, Ryan, but uh, they finally got some racing in over there in South Dakota. They did, uh, yeah. My, my uh, sprint car analyst, Keith, he mentioned that Kyle Larson broke a record with the All-Star Sprint seven in a row, but he didn't even get to race the feature at Houston because he barrel-rolled in the heat. He cartwheeled pretty hard, so he was done for the night. And uh, But, yeah, they got her underway last night. I think it was Corey Eliason that actually won. But, uh, yeah, good to see Houston's back on the map after a hiatus there um, with basically one of the biggest sprint car tracks in the area. Had a good turnout. And, and again, if you watched, I watched last night, they had this limited late model or street stock late model deal. I kind of call it, they look like a super stock. So super stocks <laughs> are greater than sprint cars because that race was better than the sprint car race. So 
<laughs> While we're talking about a track, why don't you just carry on here? Uh, you know, we're kind of talking about down in that that southwestern uh, region of, you know, Wazota, so to speak. Um, you know, some tracks are, uh, well, not just there, but at least one track down there. Sounds like they're locking the gates for the year. Yeah, well, well, first of all, unlocking the gates, Dakota State Fair Speedway down in here on the oh, race since yeah. like 2018. Now they're going to, in a couple weeks, I think on the 22nd of August, they're actually going to host a race in Huron, which Huron used to be the home of the Wasota 100, right? So that's kind of a neat deal. But yeah, we're talking about the tracks that are opening. You got Fiesta City Speedway in Montevideo. You got Granite City Speedway in St. Cloud. You got Proctor Speedway. Doesn't look like any of those, those tracks, stick a fork in them, they're done. It doesn't look yeah. like they're opening, which which sucks. I mean, I hate to see any tracks not open, but I guess it's out of our control. But you know, a couple tracks open, a couple tracks closed down, but at the end of the day, let's just there's a lot of racing going on. Yeah, good luck to hear on. So, Bert, uh, yeah, more I guess kind of COVID, uh, kind of a COVID trembler as far as not necessarily a headline, but uh, we've seen uh, some news come out of Eldora this week. Well, it just uh, you know, I've heard that they've stopped selling tickets for the World 100. So, uh, you know, oh, okay, I'd heard they stopped for all events. For oh, the yes, rest of the year. Oh, yeah. you're right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, when I when I checked to see if they stopped selling tickets for the World 100, then I checked the rest of their schedule, and yeah, every every event on their schedule they've stopped selling tickets. So um, my guess is that there's not going to be a race at Eldora with fans this year. So, so do you, do either of you know is Ohio on the mask mandate? Do either of you know by any chance? I'm just wondering. You know, obviously we are here in Minnesota, Bert. Bert, when was your first day? Sunday? Yesterday? Saturday. Oh, Saturday. Okay. So Saturday. Now welcome to the club. Uh, Ryan, are you on a mask state? Illinois. Okay. So we're all in the club together, but you know, like I said, Hey, we're a, what a weekend here in Minnesota. I mean, if it works and if Ohio's on it, you know, they've, you know, you've got what a week after Labor Day is when that world is. So it depends on if they did one and when they did it, you know, maybe if they get a mask and we see the numbers. Well, oh, Ohio's been pretty restrictive this entire, during this entire process. Um, so I, I just don't, I don't see that changing uh, anytime. I mean, especially now with numbers going up in certain area, certain areas of the country, I, I don't, I don't see that changing. Uh, one thing about the mask thing. Yeah. Ours started on Saturday, uh, but like 70% of the County sheriffs have said that they're not going to enforce it. They, they don't basically, they don't want people calling the, the sheriff's office to report people not wearing masks so yeah, yeah they've got bigger so basically fry, they just sure. said don't call us because we're not going to do anything about it yeah definitely bigger fish to fry <laughs> uh so ryan uh, like you said one tracks uh uh well i guess you'd say demise is another one's fortune <laughs> yeah abc raceway up in ashland wisconsin um the silver 1000 is kind of like the i guess the beginning of invitational season always in the wasota region and it's probably one of my favorites. It's had two classes, late models and modified. The show goes quick, great racing. Proctor doesn't look like they're going to open. So if Proctor officially closes down for the year and they don't open, the, the ABC Raceway, they always have the Red Clay Classic at the end of the year. They're going to have a Thursday race. I think they're calling it the Prelude to the Clay. And it looks like it'll be a 3,000 to win Wasota late models, 2,000 to win for Wasota modifies, and I think 600 to win for super stocks. And that will lead into Labor Day weekend, which, of course, you got Grand Rapids and Hemming. So um, pretty cool that somebody's jumping in and taking that over. I think that I think you're going to see in the next few weeks a lot of a lot of movement, a lot of different stuff going on with invitationals, because with all these restrictions, 
how the hell does the track pay a big purse like they're thinking if they can't have all the fans that they want and all that. So there's going to be some things happening here and, and hopefully things open up, but I, I, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough fall. Interesting to see. So, okay. Well, a couple of birthdays uh, to get out there for this weekend. Let me see. When is the 10th? Uh, also oh, be next week. So yeah, so it'll be next time we're recording. So Troy Spring, Springborn will be another year older a uh, week from today. So happy birthday, Troy and the Donnie shots. Uh, celebrates a birthday a week from today. So happy birthday, Donnie. And, you know, continued, you know, well, at least I am rooting for you. So you just stay in that point, hunt and grind it out to the world finals and make it happen in dramatic fashion on the last lap on the last night. So that's a battle. 26 points separate the top three in that sprint yeah. car deal right now. I so. mean, it's been a long time since there's been a battle. I mean, usually, I mean, you know, Kinzer, how many times did he run away with it? And, and then, uh, you know, shots the last handful of years, besides last year, but you know, he's, he was always pretty checked out, especially by this time of year. And then he usually go into Knoxville and do really well. And then he, you know, just padded the lead, but yeah, this year it's kind of anybody's ball game. Absolutely. All right, guys, anything else? When you guys heading to Cedar, you guys heading there Thursday morning or Friday or when are you guys going? Thursday. Yeah. Thursday, whenever, whenever I kind of get packed up, get everything done and wrapped up and then, uh, yeah, we'll get down there and, and, uh, just uh, head right to the track and uh, yeah, just start the usual, you know, handshake and tour. There's those, there's, there's all, there's, there's 50 people I see there once a year. You know, no, <laughs> like Bert, used to be you, Bert, right? No, no handshaking this year. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Are they going to have the COVID? They can have the COVID machines this <laughs> I, I, I haven't heard July. that. I don't think so. I don't think that's going to be there. But, yeah, there's going to be a – that's going to be a totally different atmosphere because no shaking hands, but there's a lot of alcohol consumed at the USA Nationals. So, <laughs> Never seen I don't it. know how long the social distancing <laughs> will last. Never seen it. Never seen it. <laughs> I thought that's the dairy state. They drink milk. I think they True. drink milk. They burn. <laughs> yeah, you, you've never seen it because it goes right down. Yeah. I'm spilling on your wife. Yeah, normally your poor <laughs> wife I spilt on one year. Jeez, oh, yeah. man. Puka, you know, he found out that Bert was going on an asphalt race, so he threw a beer, but then all of a sudden it wasn't on Bert. It was on the wife. And, yeah. Yeah, kinda... <laughs> one blunder after another. <laughs> all right, fellas. Well, I think that's the wrap then. So, yeah, uh, we'll catch you all uh, down at Cedar Lake. For those of you that are going, there's Ryan's pick right there. IRTJ, <laughs> definitely rooting for that guy. I'm excited to see, like I said, Strickler in a late bottle. So let's just pray for some good weather and uh, everyone, you know, have a safe travels, safe time when you're there. Uh, get out there. As always, we tell you everywhere, get out there and be your dream. You are tuned to the One to Go show. 